Welcome everyone to episode 57 of Casting the Net. Today's conversation is definitely more of what I would call a substantial conversation focused on the miracle that is the mass. So I don't want to go into a real long introduction today, but I will give you a couple highlights. Rick talks about his trip to New York City, uh, and they also discuss the Eucharist as a sacrifice and how we participate in Christ's sacrifice during the Mass, which of course we all know, but again, this is more of a substantial conversation uh, around that topic. So hope you enjoy episode 57, Casting the Net. Hi, I'm Father Dave Nuss, together with Father of Four, Rick Lingva. Welcome to Casting the Net. We are in search for catching the faith. Hey, friends, we're back. Uh, Father Dave and Rick casting the net. Uh, Rick, I got to say, you look a little on the tired side tonight. Just a <laughs> do, little. Do I look more cosmopolitan or more... Uh... Oh, more, you don't, more you, don't look, you don't look cosmopolitan uh, sporting a Detroit Tiger hey, wear. Hey, watch it. <laughs> That's not cosmopolitan. What, what if we what if we pronounce it in the French manner? Detroit. Detroit. So what? How are you? I'm good. We're uh, we're just back from from New York City. I can't wait of all to places. hear about it. Yeah, it was it was quite the trip. I the mean, city that never sleeps. That's, that that's what they've always said, and I found that to be the, the case. <laughs> the city where mom and dad where don't mom and dad sleep. Never sleep. Yeah, we we took um. Yeah, what'd you do? We took our oldest daughter and our our uh, our second oldest child, Maggie and Corinne, uh, for Corinne's birthday. <laughs> this, um, is, this has got the makings of a movie. <laughs> lost Home Alone, Lost in New York. <laughs> no, we. I mean. It was it was so much fun and it was so exhausting and there were so many different. Mm. It was just a big jumble of emotions. I was mm. So glad we went. So glad to be home. But mm. um, uh, yeah, we it was it was for Corinne's birthday and we we did it all. I, I mean, I've lived in some large cities in my time. You know, I, I think well, Ch- including Chicago. I think Chicago is pretty big. I think Washington D.C. is pretty big, and, and they both are objectively. Yeah. New York City's in a completely different category. It's it's unreal. But, so good to be home. Good to be casting the net again. Yeah. Yeah. Um a takeaway from the city or an experience or observation? Yeah, a lot actually. Um I mean I don't want to make it sound like this dominated my thoughts while we were there. All right. But um of course you just, just thinking about what we've been talking about with the sacraments and with the Eucharist most recently. Hmm. Um, we, we, we have to talk about the Eucharist as, as a sacrifice, you know, oh. I mean, it's it, like, first and foremost, that's what it is. Right. And I don't think that aspect of the Eucharist gets discussed and mentioned as much as it should. And I, I think that's, yeah. you know, for a few reasons, first of all, you know, us, us moderns, you know, the idea of sacrifice is kind of removed from our thought world. So we don't really know what to do with it. Sure. Um, sure. Well, doesn't the world, if you will, and when I say world there, I'm meaning the ungodly, those who are, who are not uh, interested in the divine, mm-hmm. whether they believe or not, they're not interested and, and openly seek to, uh, um, to act as their own God, small mm-hmm. G. Yeah. And wouldn't sacrifice be the ultimate absurdity? Why would I? Right. Why would I uh, enter into any kind of discomfort mm-hmm. 
or forego something that is beneficial that I can have right now. That's right. That's right. To it's, what it's, end? So, so minimize uh, minimize any kind of inconvenience. Yeah, yeah. It's it's foreign to us on a lot of different levels, and I think, and, and even in the church, I mean, there there are a lot of theologians, and maybe not a lot, but there are some vocal ones who are trying to have tried to over the last hundred years sort of um, eclipse or minimize Christ's activity on Calvary. Sure. Uh, because they think it's sure. masochistic or— Sure. Even the connection with Calvary, let's be honest yeah. with that, that this is that this one-time event is, is miraculously—it's represented as the wrong word, although I understand that word being yeah. used in many aspects, because this isn't a representation. It's an actual— miraculous entering into mm-hmm. the one sacrifice of Calvary for you, for me, for us all, to rescue us from from all the, the savagery of sin and death and to restore us into right relationship with Christ. That, that happens in the Paschal Mystery, Jesus' own actions. And we miraculously, mystically, really— participate in this mm-hmm. drama, this mm-hmm. theodrama, God's drama. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, as I'm saying this, <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm, your, well, your I'm feeling all, heart is, uh, well, yeah, it, <laughs> I am hearing a lot of those flutter. themes, a lot of those themes, no doubt. But I'm also feeling a little bit convicted, like, gosh, did I enter into the mass like that today? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what no, made you think of this well, in New I mean, York City? I got it. That, that's, <laughs> a, that's a really beautiful and, um, concise uh, summary of the church's teaching on the matter. And it is still the church's mm. teaching, you know, whatever, mm. you know, individual theologians might try to do, whatever the world might try to, um, to, to influence us to believe about right. the mass and about the Eucharist. It is, it is a, a, a connecting of us to Christ's sacrifice, which, yes. you know, it, it's, it's an unbloody sacrifice. Yes. As we like to say, yes. none, of us, none of us has ever encountered yes. actual blood you know, at, at Eucharist, but, um, it's, it's a, it's a participation in Christ's sacrifice nonetheless. And I saw things in New York city for the the four days that we were there that reminded me of the need for that doctrine, for the, the, the need for that teaching, not, not just the need for the church to teach it, but the fact that God needed to arrange things in this way for us. Hmm. He needed to make provisions for us. In, in this manner. Um, June, of course, you know, if, if you have a TV, if you have a radio, if you have internet access, you, you know, it's, it's pride month, you know? Oh, um, and being in the, the largest city in the, the country, uh, one of the largest cities in the world, pride month is very, um, very evident. Oh, wow. You know, I, I, I was, uh, I was bombarded with the symbology of, uh, the LGBTQ movement. Um, as they say, as they call it, you know, community movement. Um, and I, I guess I would just preface everything I'm going to say, these observations, by, by noting that, you know, I, I didn't participate in the revelry for hopefully obvious reasons. I was I was merely a, a bystander, you know, fly-in-the-wall sort of observer. Sure. Talk to a few people. Um, so these are just detached observations. If somebody, you know, who has experienced it in a di- different way disagrees, I would love to hear, you know. Sure their perspective. But this this was my own takeaway from New York City. Um, it all felt kind of thin and mm. superficial. I mean, you 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 hear mm. the word, like I said, the word community is used to describe 
uh, the participants of Pride Month. Um, it didn't really feel like a very robust community, and I think that that is the case mm. for a few reasons. Um, you think about the words that are used by the LGBTQ movement, words like tolerance and diversity and inclusion. Um, am I missing any? No, I, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. those are central, yeah. central words yeah. that are used. In my experience, anyway. Um, and think about what those words mean. Like, those are all rightly understood, useful principles for the, for the, the, the working of a society. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but that's about all they are. That's about all, the, all they rise to, mm. you know, tolerance. Think about what tolerance means. You, you don't tolerate good things. You don't tolerate things you agree with or that you find beautiful. You tolerate, you know, things that are bad, things that you disagree with. And it doesn't make any sense to say that I tolerate Mozart or I tolerate ice cream, <laughs> right? Same with, uh, same with inclusivity or, or diversity. Like, those are good things, but, but to what end? You know, they're a means to an end. They're not ends in themselves. Yeah. Right. In, be inclusive. That that's that's a good thing to include people with different perspectives, different opinions. But 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 then what? Yeah. You know, there, there's nothing really to unify them. Yeah. You have a bunch of people who still disagree. Right. With no no real union. Hmm. Right. So these 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 principles that um, you hear espoused a lot during Pride Month, um, again, are useful, but they can't really unite. Hmm. You know, they can't really bring together in a robust kind of way. And I think if you take it even further from a Catholic perspective, the reason why what what I saw in New York City seemed flimsy and thin um, was because of what the church teaches about human sexuality, hmm. you know? Um, and I, I, would, I would preface these remarks this way. I, I understand that, you know, many of our listeners might not agree with the church's teaching on human sexuality. I mean, you, you or I, all of it, all of it. Yeah. I mean, you, you and I do. It's that's an, another discussion for another day. Mm-hmm. We, we probably should have it. That'd just, be a great yeah series. But but for now, let, let's let's assume for the sake of argument that the church is correct, and that you know certain of the behaviors and actions um, that are put. And well, the starting point. Let's just do this. Let's clarify this. Yeah, the starting point of human sexuality is who the person is. Mm-hmm. That we are made in by God, in God's likeness yeah. for meaning and purpose. That God has infused within us. Right. That I don't create my own identity. Uh, I don't discover something that I manufacture or generate within myself. Mm-hmm. I, I don't declare something. Yeah. I am led to encounter God yeah. within myself and within those whom I encounter. Mm-hmm. And that is a, I mean, that's a foundational principle of, who we are as human people. We'd call that this Christian anthropology. Mm-hmm. So before we can even unfold how one is ought to act, if we don't if if we don't agree with who we are, yeah. um the discussion about morality or behavior will be terribly strained. That's right. That's right. And that's and so that's why I say, you know, just for the sake of argument, let's assume that the church is is correct here and we we can, mm-hmm. you know, have another discussion about that for another day, but um love, like real authentic love unites. You know, it it has to be that way. Like philosophically, metaphysically it has to be that way mm-hmm. because there's there's a sharing going on, mm-hmm. a sharing of interior lives. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so that I come to dwell in the the 
you know, the heart of the person I'm giving yes. myself to and vice versa. Yes. Um, and, and there's a willing of goods too, like, like authentic goods. Not, yes. Not, not just, you know, what you think is good for you, but what actually is good for you. Yeah. I will that for you. Yeah. Right. And that unites, that brings together. Yeah. That's why like, that's why we can't love inanimate objects because there's no interior yes. life to a rock or a tree. There's not really much of an interior life to a, a, a non-human animal either, mm-hmm. but that's something for humans. Um, the flip side of the coin is that sin um, divides. Like mm-hmm. it can't help but divide. It can't mm-hmm. help but be divisive. I, I hear you say often that Satan is the great um, you know, yeah. disintegrator. Yes. You know, the, the, the great um, agent the divider, of, the divider, the scatterer. Yeah, that's right. And if that's so, assuming that's the case, then it, it, it stands to reason that mm. – um, you know, Pride Month would feel like thin gruel because mm. uh, so many of the activities that are being championed by the movement are morally problematic from a Catholic perspective. Mm. You know, mm. and the reason why I thought of this in conjunction with Eucharist is it points to the need for Eucharist to be a real sacrifice, to be a real mm. participation in Christ's one sacrifice, right? Because without God, apart from God, we will not love correctly. And we will alienate ourselves and alienate ourselves from God and alienate ourselves from one another. Like it will be inevitable. There can be no real communion or community apart from God. Um, And that is affected by Christ's love, which supplies what we lack naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, does does that, does that make sense? I mean, yeah, it's, it's profoundly put and you're using, you're using a recent experience that you had that was, um, front and center, I mean, in a way, traveling to experience something and to do so as family, only to arrive and to to feel um, caught in the midst of hmm. all sorts of uh, turmoil hmm. and really protestation yeah. by um, by words and by actions and you 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 were there for reasons that were quite innocent mm. only to be immersed yeah. into something that was not of your own making or desire. Yeah. We, On top of that, you want to, the, the children, how appropriate are some of these things for? Yes. We, we kids. certainly had to answer some questions we yeah. were not prepared to yeah. answer in that yeah. moment. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm sorry for sort of the long winded roundabout way to, uh, you know, talk about Eucharist as sacrifice, but um, it does highlight, you know, human frailty, um, human yeah. weakness, and thus the need even 2,000 years after right. Christ's death on Calvary, um, the need for us to come into contact with that transformative right. event. Right. And that's why I said, to, to, to begin with, that's why I said, you know, I mean, God makes accommodations for us in our weakness. Yes. And one of the chief most profound, most beautiful accommodations he makes is the sacrament of the Eucharist. Totally, totally. For that to be understood as divine accommodation, it brings us to our knees. God doesn't have to do this. He doesn't need to do this. This is a sheer act of sacrifice for us and for our salvation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make God greater. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, he gains nothing majesty. from us. He no. gains nothing from us, right? So... God himself, in an act of pure and perfect sacrifice, the innocent one who himself is slaughtered for the benefit of us all, 
who are immersed in guilt hmm. and fall short of the mark and are, are sinners in need of being rescued. Hmm. That love itself is such an act of sacrifice in in its form that your your needs so outdistance my own. Mm-hmm. And love moves me to recognize your needs and then to respond to them as best I can. And let's be honest, in the world in which we live, independent of sexuality, what a different block we would have, a different neighborhood we would have, a different community we would have, a different church we would have. Absolutely. If more took to heart the sacrificial power that's at the heart of love. Yeah. No, you're you're 100 percent correct, and I, I don't want to. I, I hope I didn't sound as I'm picking on, um, you know, the LGBTQ folks. Uh, you know, you, it's easy to multiply examples in in our broken world. Well, it's it's the it's the experience from which you just returned. That's right. That's right. And you did so again as father and family in a way that was unexpected. Mm-hmm. I got to ask you: Did you get to St. Patrick's Cathedral? We did. Yes. So. I don't. The year is about eighteen thirty-two, plus or minus maybe a couple of years. Uh, Archbishop Iron John Hughes mm-hmm. built that cathedral. Do you know the story? I might. Why well, don't you go ahead and well, share. The, the story, as I recall it, from a, a great, great Jesuit historian is now in heaven, Father Ted Ross. I was blessed to have mm. Father Ross as one of my professors back in the day, but I remember him telling the story. He was kind of animated himself, yeah, that. <laughs> Hughes purchased that property in what today is Midtown. Mm-hmm. But in 1832, that was, was on the frontier. Probably, yeah, it was probably on the frontier. He was ridiculed and mocked for because everything was lower Manhattan. Yeah. And ridiculed and mocked yeah, by the press. Smack dab in the middle of town. By now. his own priest <laughs> for the selection of the site for that cathedral. And today, right in the middle of Midtown, right? Mm-hmm. You could very easily walk by it mm-hmm. without really being drawn to it, right? Because it's dwarfed by these everything skyscrapers, else. by Absolutely everything, everything else. else yep. So there was a moment I've never seen pictures from of old, though I'd be really interested with with the story that Father Ross once upon a time shared with us in mm-hmm. class, and in American history, I think was the class or American Catholic history, and. Um, and and to kind of see the, uh, the 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 desolation around the cathedral, I bet. Mm. But this is a person who was filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way to select a site that would probably be the most valuable piece of real estate in the world, right? Oh, or among it, or yeah. among it. Yeah. But point instructional point here to what you're saying: the challenge that we face as followers of Christ and members of His Church is that. Beauty, goodness, and truth, which is God, becomes eclipsed by a human insistence on making our mark, doing our thing. I feel it, therefore I do it. Mm -hmm. Sacrifice? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Why would I want to do that when I've got this before me or that behind me? So, friends, that's a little bit of everything uh, today. (laughs) I hope you're still with us. We still have more to talk about. I hope you're still with us. But um, these are, you know, Rick, these are 
substantial and meaningful conversations. Mm-hmm. They're not thin. No. They're not flimsy. And God invites us into a substance, um, into depth. Um, that's both the depth of joy and its depth of sorrow. And like you, that's how I choose to uh, to live, in imitation of Christ as imperfect as I am. Friends, he's Rick, and he is a great dad. <laughs> and greatness is seen in uh, in divinity being radiant, allowing God um, to, to move us and to lead us and to help us and to um, give us hope that even though there might be skyscrapers that have grown up around us and other things that make it more and more difficult to celebrate with great joy the life that God gives to us, by golly, God has done that through the sacrifice of Christ that has been enacted for us and for our salvation. Let's keep casting the net. Friends, he's Rick, and I'm Father Dave, a dad and a priest, together trying to become better fathers by catching Christian faith. Thanks for joining us for our conversation, and we hope that you'll connect with us next week for Casting the Net.